welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. Success habits. Habits are what you do repeatedly. Over time, they actually become second nature to you. When I'm driving, I have a particular way I hold the steering. I have a particular way I do my seat until I get that particular posture. I'm not comfortable. Habits are formed. And when you form your habits, over time, they determine your destiny. When you form habits, over time, those habits determine your destiny. A man of God, Mike Mudok, said, your future is actually stored up in your daily routine. Your future is stored up in your daily routine. And that was what you do every day determines what your future will be like. Another man of God said, successful people do daily what failures do occasionally. Successful people do daily what failures do occasionally. Show me an achiever. I will show you somebody who has a routine, who has a daily routine. Show me an eye flyer. I will show you somebody who does something every day, every day, every day. Show me an A student. Show me a 4.0 GPA student. I'll show you somebody who opens his book to read every day. Every day. So people who are successful, they do daily what failures do occasionally. So if you can just gather yourself and form good habits and form successful habits, at the end of the day, you have cause to smile. Because we are creatures of habits. And your destiny is actually stored up and tied up in your habits. There is no true success without you forming strong habits. Hebrews 11:6 says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. The Bible says that Jesus Christ had his custom of going into church every Sabbath. It was a custom. It was a habit that even Jesus Christ formed. He was always going into the temple every Sabbath. So when you form your habits, in turn, your habits also form you. They determine your destiny. And if you want to change your results, somebody said change your daily routine. You want to change your results, you want to start having good results, then change your daily routine. They also tell us that insanity is defined as you doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You do the same thing, no changes, and you expect a different result. So if what you have been doing has not brought you your desired results, then change care. Because if you persist, there will not be a change of results. There will not be a different result. And if you keep doing what we did, without any tangible change, there will be no change in results. But it's my prayer, your results will be remarkable. And the grace you need to change your habits, God will give to you in Jesus' mighty name. Perfection comes only through consistent practice. You want to perfect something you are doing is only through consistent practice. You see a guitarist playing so well, a keyboardist playing so well, it's because they've practiced. They've done it over and over. And you see, what you do repeatedly is what you do well. What you keep doing over time repeatedly is what you eventually do well. What you do well is what people know you for. And what you are known for is what you'll be celebrated by is what you'll be rewarded for. It's my prayer we will form good habits in the mighty name of Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Luke 4, 16, says it was Jesus' custom 
to go into the temple every Sabbath. It was Jesus' custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, the custom, custom, habit. He formed the habit of going into church every Sabbath. So what's the first good habit you have to form? Just flip your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Moses had died. He was a prophet of God who spoke to God uh, almost face to face. And another man, Joshua, was coming into the shoes of Moses. Moses' shoe was too big for Joshua to come into. And Joshua was afraid. He was anxious. He was worried. And God came to him in this verse. From verse 5, he kept on telling him, don't be afraid. But he nailed it. He nailed the message in verse 8. That this book of the law will not depart from your mouth. Say, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God speaking to Joshua, also speaking to you, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Say, you will speak this word, and you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it, then you will make your way prosperous. And then you have good success. That passage alone is loaded. See, you will have good success. It says you meditate upon this word day and night. So that's the recipe for success. In other words, as at this time, he just had the five books, what they call the Pentateuch. Genesis to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. So that was all the books that were available to Joshua as at that time. And God said, think about those books day and night, and by so doing, you make your way prosperous. Meditation simply means focused thinking. The first success habit you will do well to form is to meditate upon God's word day and night. Say, focus your thinking upon God's word. Meditation simply means focused thinking. If you focus on the negatives, you're also meditating. And you know what that brings to you? It brings worry. It brings anxiety. It brings fear. But when you meditate and focus your thinking upon God's word, upon God's precepts, it will produce faith in you. It will produce light in you. It will produce confidence in you. So the issue is always, what is your mind focused on? What are you focused on? So as you meditate upon God's word, the Bible says you will make your way prosperous. Say you have good success. Because as you do so, the light of God shines upon your ways. And that light makes you glow. That light makes angels do your bidding. It's my prayer that will be your testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Paul also writing in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, say, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. In other words, when you meditate, you are giving yourself entirely to God's word, and then your progress will be evident to all. It's my prayer your progress will be evident to all in the mighty name of Jesus. The major thing meditation does when you meditate upon God's word is that it produces light in you. And what is light? Light is revelation knowledge. There are different kinds of knowledge that we have of God. Some people have a head knowledge of God. They just know God in their head. Some other people know God in their hearts. When we open to Jesus, when he comes into our heart as Lord and Savior, when he comes in to live with us, that's a heart knowledge of God. The Bible says he makes all things become new. In other words, 
the light of God shines into your soul. And that is a level of knowledge. You also have what you call experiential knowledge. Where you have seen God do stuff for you. It was the same thing David had. He was able to challenge Goliath because he had seen God deliver him from the lion. He had seen God deliver him from the bear. He had a track record. God had a track record with him. So because he knew God's track record, he was able to confront the big thing. So there's what you call experiential knowledge. But out of all this knowledge, the most important is the heart knowledge, which is also revelation knowledge. And that's when God's light shines upon your heart. Jesus said in John 8, 12, say, I'm the light of the world. Say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. He also said in John chapter 1, verse 9, John chapter 1, verse 9, says, I'm the light of the world. The Bible says, it's the true light that lighted everyone that comes into the world. So that was the true light, talking about Jesus, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So we have a God who is light, and light is understanding. Light is having spiritual knowledge. Light is knowing the way God operates. As a matter of fact, the best way to understand this is to look at darkness. Evil thrives in darkness. Satan is called the prince of darkness. His kingdom is called the kingdom of darkness. So every evil work thrives in darkness. When God created the world, the world was without form. And the Bible says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Genesis 1 verse 4, let there be light. And there was light. And the first thing the light did was to separate the darkness from the light. So this light shines in our hearts when we say yes to Jesus. It shines in our heart. The Bible says that those who do not believe that the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their minds, lest the light of the gospel of Christ should shine in them. So God said, let there be light, and he realized that the light that he formed was good light. So Jesus is the light of the world, is one that lights up everyone that comes into the world. And you see, light is the answer for darkness. Light is the answer for darkness. It is by light you overcome darkness. It is through light that darkness is overcome. And the light shines in darkness. A darkness do not comprehend it. So darkness is ignorance in the realm of the spirit. Darkness, blindings. Where you have blinders over your mind, that's darkness. Satan uses darkness to keep people in bondage. To keep them in his rule. He uses darkness to keep people under him. That's what he does. But when we have the light of God, when Jesus shines in our heart, we begin to walk in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that light begins to dispel darkness. So Jesus is the light of the world, and light is the answer to our problems, because it is through light that we rule. It is the amount of light you carry that actually makes you rule. If you don't have enough understanding, you will not rule. As a matter of what the Bible says, God created the two lights. That same Genesis chapter 1 said he created the sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night. So the amount of light you have determines your rulership on this world. Very critical. You see, most of these luxurious cars, they have what you call 
a neon light. It's like a fluorescent kind of light. When you beam that light in the dark, you will see clearly. And because you are seeing clearly, you can go as fast as you wish. But if you drive a car and the lights are not bright enough, it limits your speed in the night. Because if you go fast, you'll be in trouble. So the intensity of the light you are beaming, the time is how fast you go. The time is how quick you get to your destination. Very serious issues. So the light you beam determines how glorious your destiny is. The Bible says there's a glory of the sun, there's a glory of the moon, and there are glory of the stars. And they want the stars, they define glory. So we carry different lights. We carry different lights. There are Christians who have moon kind of lights. There are Christians who have fluorescent bulb kind of lights. There are Christians who have candle kind of lights. There are Christians who have a stick match kind of light. And you know, in the night season, there's light. It's just that the light in the night season is not strong enough to dispel darkness. So, every Christian carries some lights. Maybe the light you carry is so fickle, it can't even dispel the least darkness. Then you have to work on your light, you have to step it up, you have to upgrade it for you to shine brighter. I'll give you an example. The answer to every man's problem is understanding. Once you have the understanding of the ways of God, then you can tackle the problem. You can easily tackle it. Many years back, when my father was alive, before he died, he had this house somewhere in a highbrow area of my country. But we were living in another part of the country. So as development came in, the house wasn't modern enough. In other words, the windows were a cake, the doors were a cake. So his friend who lived in that part of the country said, look, let me modernize this house for you. Let me change all the fittings and let me modernize it for you. And he did that. Look, after doing it, you collect the rent for so many years, then you hand the house back over to me. But along the line, my father died and his very good friend actually had issues with the police. And he leased the house to a police chief. So when the police chief went into the records and they actually saw that this guy who gave me the house, that's my father's friend, had this case with the police, he began to threaten him, began to blackmail him. So the police chief wanted to take over the house. He wanted to own the house. So he was making all the moves. He threatened my father's friend. Along the line, my father died. So everything was on course for this guy to actually take over the house. So my father's friend couldn't go to the house anymore. He told my father's friend, if you come near this place, I will throw you into jail. And this man was afraid to go to jail anyway. So this policeman became the landlord of the house. And after a little while, he leased the house out. And my poor mother was there, a widow. She just didn't know what to do. She was in another part of town. She didn't have the papers to the house. Everything was just a confusion. And it was actually a choice kind of house. So long after I gave my life to Christ and I was studying the Bible, I was focusing my thinking on God's word. I began to love God's word. I began to have more appetite for God's word. And one day I was reading Proverbs 23 verse 10. I just stumbled on light. I just stumbled on it. Proverbs 23 verse 10. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. Say, enter not into the fields of the fatherless for their redeemer is strong. And they will plead their cause against you. Very powerful scripture. I was just going through the Bible. Said, do not remove the ancient landmark. Don't enter the fields of the fatherless. 
I was a fatherless guy as a that. I'm still fatherless now. Well, God is my father. And he went on to say that for their redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. And that was light for me. Immediately I saw that scripture, it shone in my soul. And I began to jubilate. My prayers changed to thanksgiving. I was so sure. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Until you have the assurance in your soul, there's no guarantee of anything. That's why people pray and pray and pray. They do have the word of God in them. They do have the light, sufficient light to tackle the problem. They don't have it. So people pray, but there's no sufficient light to deal with the issue. But when that scripture came and shone on my soul, I said, this thing is done. I began to thank God, began to praise God, began to worship. I was expecting, I was trusting God that this house will recover it. It will come back to us. So one day, my father's friend just came and said, look, let's even go check that house up again. After several years of nobody going there. So we went there. And as we pressed the bell, a Lebanese guy came out. And my father's friend just said, this is the landlord of this house. And the Lebanese guy began to shiver. He was shaking. He was afraid. Long story short, he got out of the house. The police chief said, tomorrow, we don't know what happened to him. Because this guy also had been in the house. He wasn't paying the rent. The police chief wasn't coming anymore after collecting rent for a while. So the house was recovered. We tried everything possible, humanly speaking, physically speaking, to recover this house for many years. It didn't happen. It was one scripture that the Lord beamed on, that light came from, that delivered a miracle. Please, brethren, let's go for light. God doesn't just do things. The Bible says in John 15, 7, say, if my words abide in you, and you abide in me, then you ask whatever you will, and it will be done. Until Christ is formed in you, until light shines in your darkness, which is your soul, there's no guarantee. You can't move any mountain. It is light that makes people move mountains. So it's the true light that lights up everyone that comes into the world. So until that day star dawns on your soul, until that true light comes in, you can't dispel any darkness. How bright is your light? The Bible says, arise, shine. So even your shining depends on the light you carry. Arise, shine, for your light is calm. And the glory of God says is upon you. Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3. It says, for the heart is full of darkness and gross darkness upon the people. But the Lord has arisen upon you, and of course, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2 For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Verse 3 said, The Gentiles will come to your light, and even kings to the brightness of your rising. So as you begin to rise, even your patronage changes. Those who come knocking on your door for business or for counsel, they change. When they see you, they ask, look, your life is different. Take us to your God. We want to be like you. That's God's plan. But when you have Christians who don't know their left from their right, when you have Christians who are busy chasing things of the world, say, seek first. All these things you are seeking, if you seek God first, they will be added to you. When you have Christians who have time for every other thing but the word of God, that there's a problem. Because this is the true light 
that lights up the whole house. So, for you to rule, focus your thinking on scriptures. Where you truly know no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Where you truly know there is no divination against Jacob and enchantment against Israel. Where you truly know that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And where you can sit down, put those scriptures together, and focus your thinking towards those areas. By the time you do that often, regularly, daily, it becomes a habit. Even your thoughts become answered prayers. The Bible says, before you speak, I will hear. That's how these things happen. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do much more than we ask or think. According to the power, the measure of light that you carry. Even your thoughts, they will become answered prayers. But God is not a magician. You have to go after these things to get them. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure. Just one treasure in a field. And he went to sell all his possessions to buy that one field because of the treasure. Everything he owned, he gave up just for light. Just for light. Every year has his own challenges. But when you have enough light, you can tackle every mountain. Is this sickness in your body? What is it? Go after those lights. Go after them. This is how things get done in the spirit. The amount of light you carry determines the darkness you dispel. Say, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Psalm 36 verse 9, for in his light we see light. So, he's the true light. But it is in his light that we actually possess light. The Bible also says that light is an armor. It's a protective armor. Say the night is fast spent, the day is at hand. Say, therefore, let us cast off all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In other words, when you're actually possessing this light, it becomes a armor for you. It's a protective shield. It says in Romans chapter 13, verse 12, it says the night is fast spent. Say the day is at hand. Say, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the hammer of night. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.